Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Teachers on a Train. This is Shira Lowenstein, and I'm here with Melanie Eisen. Uh, and we are not actually on a train at the moment because we are both home after many trips up and down the East Coast and to the West Coast and all over um, signing books. No, we weren't signing books. We are doing professional development for teachers and leaders, and it's been really fun to be in all of your schools. That's true. Um, but it, there's, that's, as Dorothy said, there's no place like home. So yesterday at 3.30 when I was done with the amazing Teachers Outtown Mutical Academy in Pikesville, Maryland, I clicked my red shoes three times and three hours later after sitting on traffic on 95 and 395 and every other combination of nines and fives you could think of, I arrived back at my house. But it was an incredible few weeks of professional development. So um, to all of our teacher friends out there and school leaders out there who are our devout listeners, um, we hope that if you've already started, you are um, meeting and greeting and working with um, amazing students. And for those who will start next week, you lucky duckies, um, we hope that you have a great beginning of your year. Indeed we do. So as Melanie and I were thinking about setting up the, the school year, we thought a lot about rewards because oftentimes teachers are setting up reward systems or star charts or whatever you do in your classroom, uh, ways to motivate your students. And so we were thinking about what, what, you know, what do we think about rewards and how are we going to talk to you all about that? So that's where we're going today. But before that, what are you reading, Melanie? What am I reading? That is such a good question. So um, I, um, I have two books on my bedside table that I hope to begin soon and one that I am in the middle of. You are... N- I hope that our boss, Jane Talvin-Cohen, is not listening too intently right now because don't tell her that I started Daring Greatly but never finished it. And that is our Prisma Book Club book. And I know that she is a devout fan of Brene Brown's and um, I have all of her books and have read parts of all of the books, but not all of them. So I have to finish it before our book club meeting next week. How about you? Um, Well, I did read Daring Greatly, but I didn't not for the book club. I read it a long time ago. And Renee Brown on Oprah, Super Soul Sunday, I forget what it's called. Her podcast was amazing. And I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, And I've listened to it a few times with a few different people because, you know, I'm like that. I like force people to listen to what I listen to. So, (laughs) so um, what am I reading? I just finished a book called Radical Candor. Uh, by Kim Scott. I want to say I left it not where I am right now, so I can't really remember. Uh, But I believe that's who wrote it. Uh, And it's really about being honest and open with people through communication. And there's a great uh, TED Talk, I think it's a TED-style talk, uh, by the author, which really summarizes the book quite well. And I would recommend it for anybody who gives feedback to people about their work or really teachers who are giving feedback to students. It's about being honest and caring. And and if you are caring, then you can be honest and you can, you know, really give feedback that makes an impact. So that, that's been a, it was a good book. I recommend it. 
Very nice. So um, it was very interesting, Shira, the, the idea of rewards, um, you know, that, that how do we do that? And I think over the course of my career in the classroom, um, you saw shifts in what teachers were doing um, and what I was doing in my own classroom. And at the beginning, it was very much, I remember sharing something in one of my first staff meetings that I saw somewhere that a teacher had done where every child was represented by a magnetic teddy bear um, on the classroom um, chalkboard. And the little bears could be in the honey jar or out of the honey jar. And if they were in the honey jar, that meant that they were their behavior was what was expected and they were copacetic with me and with each other. But if God forbid they did something wrong, they would have to go over to the board and physically remove themselves or their representation in a teddy bear outside of the honey jar until they would be their behavior meshed again with what was expected. And I remember teachers looking at me practically in tears thinking of that poor child that would have to come up to the board and remove his teddy bear. So I never actually brought that particular piece into my classroom, but that was sort of the beginning of the wondering about, you know, how do we acknowledge the desired behaviors we want in the classroom and how do we set expectations and goals for our students without having to dangle either the carrot or the stick. Yeah, so funny because one of the um, books that I would I was wanted to quote was uh, it's called Teaching Children to Care uh, and it's written by Ruth Sidney Charney and she talks about kind of a very similar model that you were just talking about it was stars on a chart and she she then she basically spent the whole day with this at the school look, watching the kids asking the kids. Um, and she asked them, like, what do you do to earn a star? And they say, you have to be good. You, you know, what do you have to do to be good? And they they give all these, like, very basic answers. And then she says, uh, I'm going to read a quote now. She said, I observed a group of boys playing a lively and safe game of football during recess. Suddenly, an aide walked over and said to the boys, be good because the lady's watching. And then she goes on and says, we must decide whether we're teaching children to be good because someone's watching or whether we're, we're teaching goodness because whether we're teaching goodness as a better way to get along with people. We must decide whether we intend to teach conduct that draws on inner as well as external sanctions. I don't think it works to whatever she goes on, um, and I don't think that it's a system built on stickers can be used to reinforce self-motivation. So she really believes in self-motivation, which I I actually also believe in self-motivation. That's why uh, I chose to quote her. Uh, and, And really the idea behind why you want children to have these expected behaviors is because you want them to be able to get along with others. You want them to be able to learn. You want them to be safe. You want them to be a part of whatever's going on. And putting it, putting it into a system of rewards often takes away from the ultimate goal. And they're really just focused on the goal. They're focused on that honey jar. They're focused on whatever the, the little pieces that that become the focus rather than the big idea behind it. And and that's where the situation gets very sticky. Right. I mean, I am a huge fan and this is no secret, but I am a huge fan of Pinterest. You can often find me um, scrolling through it to find new ideas, both in terms of my, you know, professionally and then also for recipes. Um, but, but, and often, 
oftentimes when you're when you're searching through it at this time of the year or probably in another month or so once the honeymoon period is ended, teachers often post their systems, right? And you look through them and some of them look so good. And then you realize that the teacher will have to spend three or four hours preparing the system of tickets and and fake money and prizes. And, and so you often wonder, like, how often do the stakes have to rise each time the kids get tired of that particular reward system? You have to change it in order to keep them um, focused and keep it meaningful to them. Um, so, so I have two sources really um, about that. And one is um, for our loyal listeners, you know that both Shira and I are responsive classroom um, proponents. And we have both gone through the training and actively teach it, use it in our teaching and teach it as part of our fit it in whenever we can for professional development because especially in this area they really stress and oftentimes school leaders ask us can you come and do PD for our teachers on building a classroom culture and part of that is building what it means to be in a classroom community and having these reward systems means that the teacher has total control and the kids have some control but really to get the candy or whatever other reward you have and so responsive classroom actually has a free web site, um, which you can go to, responsiveclassroom.org. And one of the articles that I actually shared to my shout out Hebrew Academy friends in Montreal is Teaching Without Using Rewards. And it's the story of a teacher who bought full in hook, line, and sinker to the idea that for every behavior, they line up properly, they read in and out, whatever it was she had as her expectations, they would get a reward. And she kept having to up the ante to continue to get the desired behaviors. And after a while, she realized, I'm this, I'm in a losing battle. There's no way I will be able to continue to keep up with the demand and took it out entirely because she said, I have to figure out a way to reward my students so that I'm rewarding the, so it becomes intrinsic in nature and not just extrinsic. And there's a lot written about that topic. She changed her whole system to be really more about it, trying to teach kids how to find ways to be find the intrinsic rewards. What is the language that she could use with her students so they would know that she was happy with their behavior and they could look around and see the community they were building because it was not a rewards-based system. You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I, um, I'm a parent of young children and I was at the park on Shabbat and I told, I was standing around and we were talking about like cleaning up toys because what else do we talk about and so I said oh I I just play the magic piece with my kids and all the parents are like well what's the magic piece and the magic piece is a game that we play at my house and I have played it in my classroom as well where the place is a mess and you in your mind pick a piece and you call it the magic piece and you don't tell the kids what the piece is but you pick a, a piece in your mind and everyone has to clean up and then whoever picked up the the winning piece wins And so at the end, you know, like they pick up everything and then you say, okay, Sam, you picked up the winning piece. And so then they were like, and, and what do they win? And I was like, I don't know. They just win. And the parents were like, well, that works. And I'm like, of course it works. They just win. And, and they just didn't understand. And, and I, in my classroom and in also my house, it's not like the reward is we did it and it was fun and it's over. And, and we don't need, you don't need a, a physical toy or a gift or a piece of candy to win you just you just do and everybody actually wins in that situation and it's sort of like a oh I can't believe you won this time you always win that kind of thing and then it's over and the room is all cleaned up and I think that like ultimately that's what kids care about they care that that they accomplish the goal and they didn't need and I can play that game as many times as I want because it's fun 
and they right. don't need but if i if there was a candy reward at the end they might say eh, i don't really want candy right now i'm not going to play it right exactly exactly um i think that you know i think we need to um and especially if that, and I think there's a difference, right, between the behaviors that we're expecting at home and the behaviors that we're expecting at school and the reward systems that we can set up in both areas, right? You can cancel it at any point without losing face with your children. And at school, though, you have a, obviously a very different relationship with your students. Um, and so trying to build up that relationship is, is very different, but your point is well taken, right? They, We want our kids to feel that they are actively involved in their situation and that um, they are helping to guide what the community looks like and together we are going to decide what that looks like and that it is not always based on these rewards um, that seem to come up because I sat still or lined up properly. So um, Melanie and I both love Alfie Cohn and he talks a lot about rewards and in fact when we were we came together to share the sources for this episode, and we both were like, of course we have Alfie Cohn uh, articles. So the article that I have from Alfie Cohn, he, it has a great quote. Uh, it's, the article is called, no, it's called The Risks of Rewards. And um, part of what he says, he, he talks about all these studies about how, you know, when you give kids, a, a, um, he talked about like giving kids kefir. And they gave three groups of kids kefir. Some kids just got to taste it. Some kids got it and they got a ton of praise. And then some kids got it and if they drank a certain amount, they got a prize. And so he says, you know, the kids who got a ton of praise and who got a prize drank more kefir that first time. But then a week later when they showed them kefir and they gave everybody the opportunity to try it, only the kids who took a little bit, who, who had no motivation other than drinking it, were the ones who wanted it. And they said they liked it as much, if not more, than they had the first time. And the other two groups, with no reward, were not as willing to do it, uh, to try it or drink it again. And so he, he kind of sums it up in a great quote. He says, do rewards motivate students? The answer is absolutely. They motivate students to get rewards. Unfortunately, right. that sort of motivation it often comes at the expense of interests in and excellence at whatever they're doing. What is required then is nothing short of a transformation of our schools. So we, we can, as you were saying, up, it, up the ante. We can keep upping the ante, upping the ante, but ultimately all they're trying to do is get that, that jar, their bear in the jar or whatever the, the next piece is. They're trying to get more ticks. They're trying to get more stars. But ultimately, that's not what we want for them. We want them to be motivated to, to try and to do better, and they're not going to get that from these extrinsic rewards. Right. And I think for, as the teacher, what I wanted to do was not spend so much time thinking about it, right? That it was the norm in my classroom and kids don't always behave and that's part of being kids, right? So when our expectations are reasonable and we've communicated them and that we have decided what our hopes and dreams are going back to responsive classroom as a community, we've decided what our agreements are, our norms are as a community, we've decided what the logical consequences are as a community, we hope that that dissuages some of the, you know, discipline issues that um, the bears and any other system like that um, might, might be saying that it can help to alleviate. Um, and I, I think that that was a huge learning lesson for me, was that I would spend so much time thinking about how I'm going to get them behave, going to get them to behave, that it took away from the time in which I was planning what incredible lessons I was going to try to devise and what meaningful ways I could teach the the content and how was I going to involve my students in different aspects of the classroom. And I think once I made that 
switch from thinking about how I'm going to get them to behave to what do I want them to be doing so I'm not focusing on the behavior, things took a, took a change for me. And I also have Beyond Discipline, and uh, which is, I also have an Alfie Cohen book called Beyond Discipline, which um, I also highly recommend. And if there's a leader out there looking for a book to do a book talk with throughout the school year, this is a short but sweet one and really puts your thinking flips your thinking a little bit. So get ready if you share it with your teachers for some pushback. But in the end, I think you'll be happy with the results. And the quote that I highlighted was, and this was more about, you know, discipline necessarily than rewards, but still the only way to help students become ethical people as opposed to people who merely do what they are told is to have them construct moral meaning. meaning. It is to help them figure out for themselves and with each other how one ought to act. That's why dropping the tools of traditional discipline like rewards and consequences is only the beginning. It's even more crucial that we overcome a preoccupation with getting compliance and instead bring students in on the process of devising and justifying ethical principles. So people think, you know, maybe kids are too young, but they're, they're never too young to start to be guided in what the right choices are. Right. And I often say there's no such thing as discipline. It's actually all about good planning. And I think that that's exactly what Alfie Cohen's saying here, that if the kids know their expectations, they might not always choose to do what's expected of them. That that's just that's just life. life. Uh, But they they definitely will understand the natural consequences if they don't choose that. And setting up those setting up that environment is key to making your classroom run smoothly. Right. A big message that I've been sharing, you know, as teachers have asked me over the past few weeks about creating a community and and behavior management and classroom management. And I think, you know, you model the behavior you want to see. How are you modeling the behavior? How are you modeling? You should never take anything for granted. If you're new to these students, which most of us are or have been in the last month or so, you know, how have you shared with them what your classroom expectations are? How do they know when, when they have to sharpen a pencil? What does that look like in your classroom? Or are they thinking, this is how my last year's teacher did it, therefore this is how I do it this year, right? How did you share what the expectations are in the classroom and how are you yourself modeling the behavior? And I've probably said this before, but my father, who has been a teacher for a hundred years, always gave me some advice as I entered into the education field. And one thing he said is if they can't, if, if they can't drink, you can't drink, right? Like we always see teachers walking with their big mugs of coffee or their big things of water or whatever it is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't drink water during the day or, or anything else, but just keep that in mind as you set expectations for your students how are you helping to model what those expectations are so um we have i have an anecdote that apply that really that goes very smoothly into this um i was at a professional development a couple of weeks ago and there we were talking about praise which is a little bit different than rewards but you know it's a form of reward and a teacher said we, we were just talking about like, it, what do you think about praise? Is it worth it? Does it, does it achieve, you know, what you would like it to? And a teacher got up and said, uh, as a child, I was always praised as being the smart kid. And I was always praised for my, you know, my intellect and just doing everything I was supposed to and being on being academically very high achieving. She said, so I would never take a risk because I didn't want anyone to know that that wasn't true. So I was petrified of making a mistake. And my entire childhood, I was the smart one, so I couldn't make any mistakes. And I think that that 
uh, it goes very nicely into this idea of rewards because she, that was not the motivation of the adults in her life. They were praising her because they thought that that would help motivate her. But actually what it did was the opposite. It made her afraid to take risks and it made her just want that motivation. She just wanted the praise all the time. And she didn't actually care about learning because that was, that was not what it was about for her at that moment. So I, I, when she said that, you know, it was a great, it was a great, uh, wake up and, and remember time for me to remember like what, what this is all about. Right. For sure. And I know you probably all have heard of, um, Carol Dweck's work in growth mindset and Angela Duckworth's work on grit. And, you know, there's so much talk in the Washington post the other day, there was a big article about, you know, mindfulness has now become, um, a huge moneymaker. And if you attach the word mindful to any product, it's, it's getting sold off the shelves, but we shouldn't lose, lose, uh, that the main ideas that these, um, researchers were making when they, when they designed and, uh, and put into practice their research, which is, you know, we all come in with a, with a fixed notion of who we are and our jobs as teachers is to recognize how can we support our students and allow them to take risks and dangling the carrot or the stick in front of them doesn't mesh with what we know is best to how students learn. It doesn't help to create that safe environment if they're always wondering, is my name going to be the name that gets the candy today? You know, if I messed up at 8.30 in the morning, does that mean at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, my teddy bear is still going to be outside of the honey jar? So as you devise whatever systems you're devising within your classroom to establish what expectations are and communities are, keep these ideas in the front, in the back of your mind and hopefully sometimes in the forefront of your mind. If you're spending hours and hours designing these behavior modification plans for a class that might not need a behavior modification plan, imagine how many minutes of the day your students are thinking about where they are on the, you know, on the spectrum of behavior that day, as opposed to focusing on the fun activities you've planned for them. Yes. So with that, we wish you all a wonderful beginning of the year. We uh, we're thinking about you all in Houston. We we really are. We're following the news closely, and we, we hope that in the months to come, we can help all of you. Uh, and yeah, have a have a. Until next time, we will uh, anticipate good things from all of you. For sure. And if you want to catch the show notes, um, simply go to prisma.org, look under blogs under my page, Melanie Eisen's page, and you'll see all of our show notes. Oh, that's where they are. Good to know. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone.